It's two in the Pinkerton. This is Songs in My Head. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head, a podcast for music nerds, by music nerds, and as always, joined by my lovely co-host Kristen. Hello. And uh, we, we've been, uh, been riding the struggle bus a little bit, getting this episode together. Um, we, we put out a, a remix episode last week, did a super great job of putting that up on on all the social medias not uh and uh we were really trying to get into this episode and we had we had a tough time yeah i don't know why i don't know what it was i think we know i mean we talked about some yeah so initially we were going to do a weezer album review of their other new album they put out this year van weezer and um, neither of us have had a really easy time getting into it. I don't know why. It's not a, it's not a bad album. I mean, I have my theories. <clears throat> it's not a bad album. It's just, it's not okay human. No, I think no matter what they put out for a little while, I'm. It's not going to compare that for me. That was like. Yeah, that was top the tier Weezer for yeah. me. Yeah. So. What we decided to do instead was we decided to do a joint deep dive on their second album, which was Pinkerton. Um, but we've decided to take it a step further and do the deluxe edition. Now, we don't normally do deluxe editions. However, this one was very special because it had a whole lot of B-sides on it like almost a whole nother album's worth of b-sides so we found it kind of appropriate to to do that instead and i will preface this by saying that i have saved you guys the trouble and i will be sharing the playlist when i get this one together of avoiding all of the the live stuff and the the demos and the remixes and the acoustics and yeah i mean that stuff's not bad to listen to once if you like that sort of thing but it doesn't play through very well no no so i i I made a playlist that contains the original album plus just the extra b-side tracks and we'll we'll share that later Mm -hmm. but um so obviously we're we're not not strangers to to weezer on this show um you know i mean i'm a fan and I'm, I'm getting more and more of a fan every time we we talk about these guys because you know it just they just impress me more and more every time um so yeah i, mean, I was pretty excited to get into this one and it, it's definitely it's definitely a very 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 good album and I don't know why it didn't do as well as they expected it to. I mean, I think there's theories. 
There's um, a, oh yeah, there's a lot of theories. <clears throat> I saw quite a few that were saying that it just seemed like it was rushed. Parts of it that seemed like, you know, it was too dark. Well, yeah, I mean, they went kind of a different direction because they, you know, their first album was polished and and more pop, pop rock friendly, you know, radio friendly. And from what they were saying is they, um, I mean, didn't they produce this one themselves uh-huh. versus yeah, they didn't. the label. So I think that had something to do with it. I mean, plus it's deeply personal. I think yeah. um, it's probably the most personal stuff that I had heard him write probably until okay human yeah yeah so the the original album was released uh september 24th 1996 and then the deluxe edition which had all the extra fun stuff was released uh november 2nd 2010 so quite a bit of time between uh when the original and the deluxe were were released Right. <clears throat> yeah, when it was released um, originally, I read that it debuted at number 19 on the Billboard 200, but I didn't read how long it was there or anything. Yeah. But I know it didn't do very well con- compared to their other albums, especially not compared to the Blue Album. But Right. Right. At that time, I mean, they, they were they the they were saying that the Blue Album was like a flash in the pan almost by comparison to mm-hmm. this one. But I don't know. I mean, because then in, in 2016, it was certified platinum. So, I mean, and it's become like an, a point of contention with Weezer fans, like far and wide. Right. So, <clears throat> as you were saying, it was self-produced because uh, they wanted to have more of a more of a raw uh almost live sound yeah and you i mean you could definitely hear that not that the recording quality is bad by any means it's just you could definitely tell that they weren't they didn't have the restrictions of 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 third party so to speak yeah i was reading i mean i don't i don't know much about like music recording or as much as you do but they were saying um there's certain things they did for the raw feel with um using yeah recording around three microphones instead of overdubbing yeah the vocal separately and stuff so i mean that yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it gave them an opportunity to really control the the overall sound and the finished product yeah and i think more. i think like the raw feel and everything goes really well with how emotional oh, and yeah. everything that the songs are on this album so i mean it really fits so did you happen to see where it got its name yes yeah Good. oh you got it no okay so um <laughs> the album's named after the character bf pinkerton from um the madam butterfly opera yeah it was uh the opera written by giacomo puccini in yeah the, i wasn't gonna attempt that in 1904 it was uh very interesting read. A, a lot of reference to that throughout. Oh yeah, tons. And you'll you guys will see that as we talk about it. Uh, I know it's all over my notes. Yeah. Yeah. I loved uh, 
the one quote that I read that Rivers made about the character himself, uh, Pinkerton, uh, he, he described him as an asshole American sailor similar to a touring rock star. <laughs> I just, I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was laughing at that. I wrote that down as well. Um, and in very similarly to the opera, they also have a lot of references to Japanese culture throughout the album. So kind of a cool callback. Um, did you read about the cover art? I did. Because um, the cover art's really cool. I, I really like the... I don't know where I wrote down, so go for it. Um, so the cover art is... You know, I'm going to butcher the shit out of this because I cannot read Japanese, but I'm going to go for it anyways. Kambura Yoru no Yuki, which it translates to Night Snow at Kambura. Uh, from Japanese... Yukioe artist Hiroshige. Uh, there was a whole series of these. It was the 53 stations of the Takedo. So, like, it was, um, what did I read? It was like wooden board art, essentially. Like, it was like artwork on like planks of wood. Okay. Really interesting. But the artwork for this album is gorgeous. Um, so I, I really thought that, that was cool that they actually used very similarly the way that Coldplay utilized um, actual like turn of the century artwork for Viva La Vida. Yeah, they did the same thing here, and I think it was a really good tie-in with the whole like Madame Butterfly. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I feel like album art doesn't get the attention that it should now that most things are digital. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, and actually, it's cool because I was reading about like the whole artwork, not just the cover itself, because um, there are lyrics from uh, Madama Butterfly, which is the Italian version uh, by Puccini, um, that are printed on the CD. And uh, it, the quote is, everywhere in the world, the, the roving Yankee takes his pleasure and his profit, indifferent to all risks. He drops anchor at random. And then behind the CD tray, uh, there's also additional artwork. Um, and it's like a, a map with the title Isla della Farfalla e Penisola de Cane which translates to uh, Island of the Butterfly and Peninsula of the Dog. Um, and then there's also things that are featured on there as well. There's, um, there's a ship called the USS Pinkerton. Um, there's um, Michael and Carly Island for the fan club mm -hmm. creators. And then there's like random names of some of River's like biggest influences written on it as well. <laughs> like, the, get ready for the most random list of people I'm about to rattle off here. Howard Stern. Uh, <clears throat> Yingwe Malmstein. Brian Wilson. Uh, Lou Barlow. Joe Matt. 
which you can never trust somebody with two first names, <laughs> uh, Camille Paglia, and Ace Freely. Yeah, that one from Kiss. Yeah, like I was, I was reading about all this like really like super in depth, like well thought artwork, and I was like, um. So what you're saying is I'm going to need to get a copy of this CD also. Cool. Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that I, I feel like the thought that gets put into album artwork really gets kind of tossed to the side now because it's all digital. And, and, and yeah, I mean, okay. So, I mean, I, I remember the days of buying a CD and coming home and like tearing it open and like listening, but looking at the art. Oh yeah. Looking at the book, <clears throat> like, like cover to cover. I don't think I've seen a CD that has come out in like the digital times. Like if, if they put as much attention into it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Cause I haven't bought a CD in a while. I know you and I are different in that, that realm. Yay. Physical media. See me, I just I don't want stuff anymore. <laughs> she says as she Shut up. <laughs> buys random lots of vinyl from strangers. Just the one time. Yeah, one time. <laughs> All it takes. One time. Next thing you know, you're like meeting some random guy under a bridge with a Tupperware container full of what may or may not be vinyl. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, but... It, it, this is kind of the same thing that happened with uh, Fratelli's, which I went and I bought that, and I was not disappointed. This is the same thing that happened with Less Than Jake. I was just going to say With Less Hello Rockview. Because when I read that it was like kind of like comic. a comic book, I was like, all right, well, I have to see this. Yeah. And it did not disappoint. Like, it really, truly does look like a comic book. So I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to try and find a copy of this and actually see all of this stuff like in person. So I, I thought that was pretty cool, though. But I did read a really interesting quote uh, from Rivers, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this kind of how how the al- that whole album plays out the way that it was written. Uh, he says that it's it's like it's the clash of East versus West where it's like his Hindu, Zen, Kyokushin, self-denial, self-abnegation, no-emotion, cool-faced side versus his Italian-American heavy metal side. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can hear that. Like, when you listen to it, you can hear those two, like, definitive sides throughout the album which i thought was really really cool um did you see about how it's mostly sequential i didn't but i was feeling that it was yeah so the the songs are mostly uh sequenced in the order in which he wrote them which i i also think is very interesting how does that fit in with the b-side stuff the b-side stuff We'll get to it. Okay. So the, you mean the original album? Just just the straightforward album itself, not the deluxe portion. The deluxe okay, portion. Okay, then that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. Just the just the regular album itself, from start to finish, is in 
almost fully sequential order in the way that he wrote it. Right. So, um, and he was saying that the album kind of tells the story of his trouble with his own, like, inner Pinkerton. <laughs> that Which, makes sense. Yeah. His his <clears throat> inner asshole, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> <clears throat> <Ugh>. No. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so uh, we're just going to do this kind of the way we would do a normal album, except we're just going to kind of go back and forth. I think we can. Yeah. And just kind of fill in. Yeah. Fill in here and there. Yeah. So first track on the album, uh, it's called Tired of Sex. Um, this song was basically Rivers like kind of describing all of his like true rock star moments where he was like getting with all the groupies and having just random meaningless sexual encounters and wondering why true love eludes him yeah yeah it was like um about like well about being disillusioned with like that sexual experience and and the you know many 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 experiences right right i i just love the fact that like through the chorus he like names he just rattles off a bunch of just random names um but i did read that actually uh while he was attending harvard he was celibate for two years for two years i read that too um <laughs> and he actually wrote a whole paper about it yeah i was reading a piece of it but i didn't obviously read all of it i read probably the same section you did which good news i found the whole paper and i'm gonna read it the whole pa- are you mean- i'm gonna read the whole thing <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but it was basically about his kind of misadventures in celibacy, so to speak. It was kind of him trying to deal with kind of dialing himself down and, you know, kind of centering himself. And I mean, this song kind of gets into that a little bit because he, he feels kind of empty and unfulfilled. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if you think of it as, you know, he he was like the typical like nerdy guy and then he becomes famous right so you know kid in a candy store kind of thing right um did you see the one quote that he had about going to the playboy mansion no he said that he was like i made a, a mistake of going to a pajama party at the playboy mansion he said that he found himself at one point like sitting by the pool and like he was just like salivating because there were just like <laughs> scantily clad playmates all over the place. And he said at one point, one of the girls like came up behind him and like very quietly whispered in his ear, like, do you see anything you like? Uh, just let me know. I can make it happen. And he kind of had one of those like, I got to go. And then he went home and watched porn instead. And I was like, I've been like, hey, do you want to destroy my sweater? <laughs> no. Hold this thread as I walk away. Uh, hold my last thread of dignity as I walk away. Relatable. Relatable. <laughs> Fuck. 
yeah, but I thought that was really, really interesting. Well, the one snippet piece that they had about the paper that he had written was about, you know, the, um, <clears throat> he wrote it for an English class and discussed the perils of celibacy and concluded that marriage or at least monogamous love is the answer. And I was like, mm. is it though? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people listening may know how we feel about monogamy, so. <laughs> is it though? I mean, like, ugh. are you guys okay? Are the monogamous people in the room okay? Are you guys okay? Well, there's none in the room. Exactly. It's just us. Anyway, <laughs> um, I did read, too, that this was actually written before the Blue Album. Really? So this is actually one of the the oldest written of all of their tracks. Hmm. I was like, that's kind of weird that they like sat on this for a while. Yeah, I was reading the similarity between the opera and um, how that character Pinkerton, you know, sleeps with different girls at every port. So, call you know, and that makes sense. Actually, there was a paper um, that I bookmarked to read later. It was similarities between the Pinkerton album and the the opera. So, Ooh. yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to share some links later. Yes. Do some more reading. Yeah, <laughs> super nerd. But um, also. Um, Someone in one of the album reviews um, was saying how this song probably, I don't, I don't know when it was written, the review, um, but the screaming in the song isn't typical for Rivers, you know, vocals. Yeah. And like how that has like the most raw emotion of pretty much. Oh yeah. Frustration. Yeah. It's literally like you can absolutely hear the frustration in his screams. Right. Because it's, because it's not even like. Like your typical like rock scream. It's like a. <gasps> it's, just, it's just like he's like, like it's him walking out of the room, like just just annoyed and frustrated, and he's just like, ah. Yeah, it's the kind of screams that I keep inside. Yeah, no, that's that's me in the car when I scream into the void, and then I'm worried the void's gonna scream back one day. It's those kind of screams. Yeah, yeah, I um was reading that and basically the emotion behind it and you know how like he just had that phase during the blue album in one of the interviews that he said he had sex with 40 women in, in 1994 and i was like well <laughs> you do you <laughs> but i mean i can understand where like that search for whatever right. feels unfulfilling yeah and then the the part where he's just like why can't i be making love can come true i was like right so. my heart oh. <laughs> rivers oh. um <laughs> so yeah i mean i think it was a really good way to start off the album because i mean it, it had that super raw feel and emotion and oh, you yeah. knew what you were in you know we had in store yeah yeah it definitely it, it definitely grabs your attention like right out of the gate i think it's a really good like lead in yeah. Well, for the record, like when this had come out, like I've been a Weezer fan since the 90s, but you hadn't heard this album. Right. Until. So I almost I don't know. I wish I could go back and listen to it again for the first time. I'll tell you what. After listening to the Blue Album. And already having that still pretty fresh in my mind, because I having had listened to that for the first time mm-hmm. when I turned this on. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the same feeling. 
it's the same this is the same raw young weezer like before before they really started trying to feed into the mainstream as much as they did not that it's bad not that that makes any of the music that they've released since then bad it's just like this was them getting their foot in the door and really like getting into their own yeah yeah and whenever um i listened to it the first time obviously i mean there wasn't as much out about you know how he was writing this stuff right you know in preparation for you know a bigger project that never came out i mean <laughs> yeah i didn't know what point we we're gonna talk about <laughs> yeah so like i guess now so maybe now's an appropriate time because the second song has relation to that topic well yeah i feel like this is probably a good time because it also sets like the tone of like what place he was in at the time when he wrote or recorded so so picture it (laughs) sicily uh no so between between finishing the blue album and writing pinkerton rivers was trying to write a rock opera a space opera space themed rock opera sounds amazing which sounds awesome like honestly i wish that he that he would have finished it uh it was called i have written about 97 times on a page that is not this one uh yeah songs from the black hole uh yeah so he wrote this he was trying to write this space opera called songs from the black hole which told the story of a space crew essentially that was like still adventuring in space but trying to live like normal everyday lives all aboard this spaceship and there's a lot of like sordid love triangles and you know oh he's sleeping with her and she's sleeping with them and all that kind of drama um you always hear about sordid love triangles but you never hear about love trapezoids or right it's always a triangle love parallelograms yeah yeah <laughs> love, hex- my, love that's, hexagons that's the new uh my new album from one of my new bands love parallelogram yeah, Love Parallelogram, the new album from Taint Slap. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I feel like um, having that idea that that's what he was working on at the time between either the Blue Album and Pinkerton and knowing that, like, um, at the time that he had had, like, his surgery. But I think... It- it just drives me crazy because like all the notes that I was reading about this, like, so he had it mostly written and some of it recorded. And then like, so I guess he was born with one leg shorter than the other. So he like in 95, he had corrective surgery for that. And around that same time, he also decided that he was bored with 
the music industry and the way that they wrote music. So he decided to go to college and study music composition. But not just any college. No, no. That, that's not good enough for Rivers Cuomo. Your man's went to, to Harvard and got his Ivy League education on. And uh, he's a smart boy. Yeah, he's, he's just a smart, nerdy boy. And um, yeah, he was hella depressed and had no, no desire to finish uh, Black Hole. So that he scrapped it. And then started working on Pinkerton. And it's just, that's just so sad. Because I, everything that I read, like all the album reviews and stuff that I read about this, like talked about Black Hole. And they were always like, Black Hole was like one of the the biggest like what ifs that ever happened. Or that never happened, I should say. And it's wild. But the one thing that you do get out of that is that there are some tracks that were on that that do show up on here. Case in point, the next track, which is called Get You. <laughs> uh, originally spelled uh, Get You, G-I-T-C-H-O-O. Yeah. Uh, so it tells the story of Jonas, which... I got a lot of questions about this Jonas character because is it the same Jonas from my name is Jonas? I don't know. Rivers, can you can you can you tell me? Come on the show. Let's talk about <laughs> it. Let's talk about it. I mean, one has to assume <laughs> the Jonas theme. I mean, okay. Here's the reason why I so I rabbit hold on this one, um, which almost threw all my notes off and put me into a downward spiral for like an hour. Uh, I had to lay down. My head hurt. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's the same Jonas. I'll tell you why. Because in my name is Jonas, there's, it doesn't seem like it's a technologically advanced enough society To be like space travel Jonas. He's it sounds more like a like a small like a small society by comparison. Maybe um maybe it's Jonas's Jonas like maybe this is Jonas, Jonas the fifth. Jonas Senior <laughs> Grandpapa Jonas. Um yeah, so this so Gitchu tells the story of Jonas, who's the main protagonist of the the black hole concept story and um he's professing his love to one of his love interests in the in the story which is maria um i love they all have names too which just got me more invested in it because i was of like course. fuck why did they have to have names <laughs> why did i have to know that their their names were were jonas and maria and uh, there, there were a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. I've written a few when I come across them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this one. I don't know. There's something I 
I guess maybe like like the jealous feeling of the song was I don't know it's not a favorite yeah no it's not but it's it's still kind of a fun song though yeah yeah and within the context and within you know in order yeah listening to an album in order is a new thing for me I know and uh yeah it, it fits yeah yeah for sure um so the next track on the album is no other one uh which i think is a really really um it's a really really like heart-wrenching kind of song oh yeah because it details the harmful relationship that the narrator has with his cheating drug-addicted girlfriend and he knows that it's toxic for him but he doesn't want to be alone but neither does she but then yeah but then like neither does she so neither of them want to be alone so he would rather suffer with her with her disease with her addictions than be alone which is just wow like kind of relatable because it's the it's the the thing you know versus the thing you don't know right yeah i mean i totally get it yeah yeah i mean it makes sense yeah the the verse that um was kind of heart-wrenching to me was you know nobody knows me like her nobody knows her like me we're all we've got and we don't want to be alone and i mean they're they're holding on to something just because it's familiar and even though it's toxic it's what it's what they know right right so it it's it's a very it's a very very like gut-wrenching kind of song when you listen to the lyrics i mean plus plus his delivery of of it is just right i don't know it's it's so much different from like the polished like you know yeah I know that everything in this album has such a different vibe by comparison. Um, I mean, and even when you get into some of the more polished ones, even they have a raw emotion to them that just seems very vulnerable. That That's what this whole album is. It's vulnerable. Yeah. Like it just, it's one from beginning to end. It's just one like vulnerable story. Yeah. Um, and that's like, we were talking earlier, like his, his opinion of the album for a while was that he, he didn't like it. Right. I mean, but you got to think about it. It's, it's, it's bearing a soul, bearing these things and even things that, you know, you would probably think internally and not say out loud. He's singing them into songs. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean... I don't know. It's it's it is heart wrenching. Yeah. Uh, so the next track is called "Why Bother," um, and it's basically like the narrator character wants a girlfriend, but at the same time is afraid because he's afraid to get hurt. He's afraid of rejection. Yeah. And, and where that leads, and that you know, I guess it's also the the evil you know again he knows if he's going to be lonely he might as well do it without being rejected right exactly (laughs) yeah so i mean again it's another one of those like 
like really gut-wrenching kind of things and and to follow up the last track it's almost like you have a guy that finally realized that the toxic relationship that he was in wasn't good for him so he left and now he doesn't want to be lonely anymore but he also doesn't want to get hurt again so he's like oh god why bother like yeah and then he oh, he sees a girl he, he wants to know he thinks she's cool but then it realizes it's just like a sexual attraction so like just go home and jerk off instead right <laughs> i was like oh man like right right it's almost like one of those like you know do that before you go on the date that way <laughs> that way you know if it's real or not that's what he's telling himself he's like no, don't do it. <laughs> well, it's it's like brutal honesty. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's that's and that's what makes this whole album so like. Well, it's really like kind of endearing, like yeah, and like humbling to see because there are a lot of parallels between what he's writing and himself. And you could say you know it's character, but like it's character from experience as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that in the next track, you really see that. Uh, the next track is called Across the Sea. Um, yeah. <clears throat> this one is uh, written after receiving a letter from a fan from Japan, just asking about his you know everyday life and everything. Um, and it was during his depressing winter that he had at Harvard in 95. Yeah. Um, so basically, through that letter, you know, he fell in love with her. Or the idea of her and <clears throat> was lonely at the time and depressed that he would never meet her. Yeah. And like, I guess it was the, the loss of that potential, but, um, what kind of, I don't want to say I'm creeped out by the song, but you know, she's portrayed as a young girl and the whole, you know, falling for the idea of somebody. And I don't know. It was a little, I have mixed feelings because that part almost feels creepy to me. But then, you know, when I was. Well, he said that she was 18. Somewhere else, though. So he he said that in her letter, she said she was 18. But in a quote that I read from him, he yes. said, when I got the letter, I fell in love with her. I was very lonely at the time, but at the same time, I was very depressed that i would never meet her even if i did she was probably some 14 year old girl who didn't speak english so even though it's said that she was 18 yeah like right it's a letter who knows yeah and i mean part of it is 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 sweet like you know talking about the stationery and like how they don't have that sort of thing here um but then like wondering what she's wearing and how she touches herself i was like mm, internal <laughs> internal monologue <laughs> yeah but that line is actually a really interesting line because like he's like he's like i wonder how you touch yourself and curse myself and like it's kind of like that that like that juxtaposition where it's like he's thinking about it but also like he's like I shouldn't be though. I feel differently about this song after watching the. What did we watch this on uh, the tiny? Yeah. Tiny desk. Yeah, on the the um. 
NPR? Yeah, NPR, Tiny Desk. Yeah, I feel kind of different about this song now that we watched it. Yeah. Be performed. Um, but also, did you see that it was, that it actually was also kind of loosely based around the Madam Butterfly thing? So they think that it was kind of a double, yeah, a double layered thing where he kind of used the used the the fan experience that he had with this Japanese girl and the premise of Madame Butterfly and kind of mixed the two. Yeah. And one of the um, reviews that I was reading said something about um, the girl gets royalties because his lyrics are directly from her letters, but I couldn't find a real source of that. So I was like, it seems a little weird. Yeah, that's that's a little (laughs) out there. But yeah, I mean, I guess the song... There's parts of it that I think are really sweet and like the potential and like him just daydreaming of like what it would be like just from this letter. But like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but also like when you when you think about where he was mentally. Oh, yeah. And like you really read into the lyrics, you're like, this guy was sad. Like he just he needed a hug. So like, you know, even being able to hold on to that's true something as simple as a letter from an adoring fan. That's true. Like, I'm sure it was a big like pick me up for him. Yeah, and I mean, when she you know asks about just about his like everyday life and stuff. So, also, like... I I just I got questions about the stationery. I'm gonna need to. Oh yeah. I'm a I'm I mean you and I are both. Um, very much into paper and pens. paper and pens because we're we're sluts for stationery put that on a shirt and japan is like the place yeah it's, yeah there it's the the hub for if i had like a dream trip i would pick like japanese stationery store <laughs> it's really sad but it's true right um <laughs> so up until this point there hadn't been any real like um there hadn't been any singles that had come out of this album yet and now we get into the three singles right in a row which i think is really interesting because like we always talk about the album front loaded with the the hits and then the rest of the album just kind of tapers off well if you're talking about sequentially then it kind of makes sense though sure this would be like the height of the the story yeah so um next up their next track is called the good life uh which it has some very very fun lines in it but also like after i listen to it a few times it's one of those like oh man this guy just wants to just wants to live his damn life i mean because it's basically like him talking about like his rebirth you know after his healing process from his surgery and getting out of the funk that he was in and getting back to being himself again yeah um, i can relate to the song just because you know it's like his surgery and everything would have been like i mean he's not old physically no, he says an imagine, old man anymore, whatever. But he like twenty six when he wrote this. Well, yeah, but he couldn't walk without a cane, exactly, which is why he felt like an old man. Exactly. 
Yeah, so... So like, age-wise, no. Yeah. But, like, yeah. But it made him feel old. Because it just, like, he had a, de- a dependency on something that he didn't think he needed. Yeah, but this song's hella catchy. Oh, yeah. Um, It's one of my favorites on the album. It's probably, for a long time, was one of my favorite Weezer tracks. Just because it's... It's truthful, but, like... But it also has beat. that, like... It also has that, like, very, like, whimsical... Yeah. Uh, like, like writing to it, like the chorus is so funny when he talks about like shaking booty on the dance floor <laughs> and like making sweet love all night long and like. Don't we all really just want that? <laughs> right? Isn't that what you want? So simple that good life. Right. Uh. But yeah, it also it also gets into like you know, just his time being like a regular person when he was at Harvard, like just going to school and like the struggles of like his anxiety and his depression catching up with him while also trying to do his studies. So, I mean, I it, it, it's really it's another one of those like a very real, very relatable track that's laced underneath of a really catchy tune. Yeah. So the next track is uh, El Scorcho, <laughs> which I I love this track. Oh, yeah. Did you know this one before? I it didn't. Was on the radio? No. This has been a favorite for years. Uh, supposedly, it's, it's named after a sauce packet. Yes. From Del Taco called del scorcho uh i believe it <laughs> yeah me too. i would definitely believe that that seems like something in, in river's wheelhouse um it was available as a downloadable track on the game rock band which i thought was very interesting <laughs> back to one of those random things we not though we haven't had a good one of those in a while though uh for for a couple episodes, it was like real heavy on like the what what video game is this from? What movie <laughs> is this from? What sports event can I listen to this at? I gotta say the opening beginning of this track though, just the the El Scorcho part and the the way the guitars and stuff sound in the beginning, just right. like it almost is like a almost like a like a mariachi yeah. kind of. Yeah. like guitar to it i mean and then of course like you know the opening line <laughs> well i had to look up what a cabron was obviously but like dude badass bastard depending on the context right so you know <laughs> you got that um yeah and the title from a hot sauce packet um so would that be like foreshadowing that the song will be hot <laughs> right um uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like it's another struggle song where he he struggles between like confessing his feelings for somebody or waiting for them to confess their feelings for him or literally just none of the above. Yeah, I don't know the chorus though. I love the chorus of the song. Right. Yeah, I mean like I'm a lot like you, so please hello, I'm here waiting. I think I'd be good for you. 
you'd be good for me. Yeah. So there were some cultural references in here. Right. A uh, couple, uh, couple of really interesting ones that I, I enjoyed. There was actually a line that was, uh, I'm the epitome of public enemy, which was taken from uh, the 1988 song from public enemy that was called don't believe the hype so right there is a very interesting lay-in that's that's pretty cool uh then there was a line that was uh watching grunge leg drop new jack through the through a press table which was uh, a specific moment in an ecw match between the public enemy which was a tag team duo that was Johnny Grunge and Flyboy Rocco Rock. And the Gangsters, which was a tag team that was New Jack and Mustafa Syed. Well, those are also taken from an essay of the cl- of classmates from his writing class. Yeah. So I thought that was... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Very then, specific. And then right after that, uh, listening to... Chocho San fall in love all over again. Um, which that line is actually a super tragic line. Uh, did you read into that? A little bit, but not probably the year. So like essentially it was the like the the geisha or the maiden from Madame Butterfly that Pinkerton fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And they got married and then she got pregnant. And then he left and came back to America, back to his American wife, and then found out that she was pregnant. And he said, all right, well, give me the kid. And we'll raise the kid as an American child. And she was so heartbroken that she took her life. I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. Like, that's super deep i was not ready for it to take that turn uh i i just gotta say that like the fact that they put a line from public enemy in there (laughs) is so funny like that it cracked me up when i read that i was like holy shit that's really from a a public enemy song like that's so random the parts that i liked um i like the uh the reference to the cello because they talk about a cello in falling for you yeah yeah the redhead said you shred the cello and i'm jello baby and everyone's talking about jello like you know like literal jello and so people yeah, are like and, oh it's jealous and people were like no it's like <laughs> i'm jealous um so yeah I, I mean i i love the lyrics in this song but the okay the reference to the green day concert i wrote this because he changes the lyrics in different concerts and i remember when i went to see them they were um it was the weezer weezer and the pixies i don't remember what they changed it to but it's probably the pixies concert or yeah, something I, re- I read that and he said that like no matter what who they're playing with right. is what he changes yeah that line to so very similar to what fat mike does uh with minnesota we got a drinking quota yeah yeah um i read that and then i was reading um references to an interview he did done in 1996 talking about um the pattern of having 
disastrous encounters with half Japanese girls, which turned into Asian girls of all sorts. Right. And I was like, oh, but it kind of, I mean, there are other songs that, I mean, wasn't there a reference to having an Asian girlfriend in uh, Beanie Buddy Holly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his wife is Asian. That's true. But I was talking lyrically. Oh, yeah. Prior to this. No, but yeah. I know. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, did you actually see that? See, this was that, remember I said I, before we started talking on the show, I told you that I, like, this made me dive into Rivers Cuomo as a person more. Yeah. Um, did you happen to know that he, re- that he actually was in another group with somebody else from a different band and they did two albums in Japanese? I heard that, but I didn't, I mean, I knew he had done albums in Japanese, but I didn't. Yeah, so it was um, with the lead singer from the band Alistair. And like their their band is just called Scott and Rivers. <laughs> and they have they released two albums that were completely in Japanese. So I, I'm, I might actually go and listen to those. Because I guess he's also, they're both fluent in Japanese. Really? Yeah. Which is why they decided to... He probably became fluent in Japanese so that he could talk to all the half Japanese girls. To woo his women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I just love this song. The lyrics, the part where he's, I don't, I don't, it's not a chorus, obviously, because it's only said one time. Part where he's like, how stupid is it for all I know you want me to? And maybe you just don't know what to do. Or maybe you're scared to say I'm falling for you, which the falling for you, obviously, reference to another song but the whole the whole part at the end is just my favorite the song make a good team and you could keep my fingernails clean <laughs> that's just a right. stupid dream his voice there is just you bring home the turkey and i'll bring home the bacon yes um, but also like this song is punk as fuck oh yeah like because it just goes from being this like weird like plucky guitar riff with his like atypical like kind of rap like rap sing that he does sometimes to then in the mid section of the song it just picks up and you just have this like fast paced almost like punk-esque beat that just like breaks in out of nowhere and you're like whoa whoa this is what i've talked about where i feel like there's a few different songs in a song yeah i think we're talking about like black parade things like that like i feel like there's a few phases to this one absolutely and it's just more an experience than just the song yeah but like the beginning i would say like i don't know that guitar part in the beginning just sounds like warped in some way that it almost sounds like if the whole song was like that i would just i don't know it just it fits yeah you know yeah and i mean it, it, it does yeah, but it, it has like a very like like I said, almost like either mariachi or like western kind of vibe. Yeah. But then like it just it just goes all over the place, and I think that's what makes this song so good. Um, and then it's followed up by a great song, <laughs> uh, which is titled "Pink Triangle," uh, which is just another one of those like you got to feel bad for the guy. Boy falls in love. Boy girl. falls in love with girl. Girl loves girls. Girl ends up being in love with girls. Kind of. Based on a true 
story, according to an interview. Yeah. Well, that's why I said kind of. Because yeah. it turns out that he found out years later that she was not a lesbian, but she was <laughs> just, in fact, a supporter of gay rights. <laughs> but I, I was reading, yeah, based on a crush he had in college, but he never talked to her? Yeah. So, like... This dude had a lot of crushes. But, like, yeah. But also crippling social anxiety, which, relatable. Relatable. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, she's so hot. I'll go talk to her. Oh, well, fuck no. No, no. I'll look from here. It's fine. He was a big time window shopper, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, did you read by chance the reference of the pink triangle? Oh yeah, I knew, but uh, so I didn't read. I it. I actually didn't. I didn't know about it, and when I read about it, I was like, "Wow, that's horrifying," but also kind of empowering. Uh, so the pink triangle reference is goes all the way back to nazis trigger warning i don't know if anybody would be triggered by that but there it is trigger warning nazis um apparently they used the pink triangle patches to um to discern who the homosexuals were in concentration camps but then it became an international symbol for gay pride. And I was like, that's the most empowering shit I've ever read. Well, yeah, you take, you take it and you, you yeah. make it yours. Yeah. Take See? something terrible and make it, and make it beautiful. Like that's amazing. See, it, it's interesting to hear it. You finding out that way. I mean, I've known for a while, but um, also being, sort of queer person <laughs> like Fair. it's not new to me but Fair. it's i don't know but yeah no I, I thought that was really cool um so yeah the part that i i liked was <laughs> you know he wanted to know why she couldn't be a little straight since everyone's a little bit queer yeah <laughs> right i, I like that because there there was also something that i read that was saying like boy sees girl boy falls in love with girl girls girl ends up like liking girls but also thinks that boy is a little bit gay <laughs> that was like the full quote that i read about it and i was like wait so she also thinks that he's gay i don't what plot twist well everybody's a little quick a little bit queer according to <laughs> right yeah that song yeah it it goes right into you know falling for you there's just like a continuation yeah there was a segue i think yeah. i read that it, like the music <clears throat> um i didn't pick up on it until i started to read the um like the the breakdown of the lyrics that there's a faint sound in the intro of korean um words and if you translate it it's to what company makes this product Basically, I guess his guitar amp was receiving interference as part of an ad in Korean, and he kept it in almost because it felt like a divine intervention, <laughs> which sounds like a real reverse thing to do. That's um, so, that's so nerd. I love it. I do too. Like I, when I was reading the lyrics, there was like this, you know, Asian writing. I couldn't tell what it was because obviously I don't, you know, and then when you clicked on it and you saw the meaning and everything i was like well that's really hilarious 
Um, yeah, so this song, I mean, this song has like a, I don't know. I love this song. Like, I've always loved this song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he finally meets this this girl and he's got these irrational fears, I which love, makes sense that he's too old. <laughs> I love the irrational fears. Um, Apprehensions about being the older guy. Around, yeah, old ghost like me. Around a younger girl. Being 26, yeah. Um, um, she says, like, too much. Yes. And then the, the last one, the last of his irrational fears, commitment. Yeah. That's pretty rational. Yeah. I was like, that's not irrational at all, man. That's very rational actually yeah i mean i just i love the song because there's just there's just parts to it where he's you know i'm a i'm a burning candle you're a gentle moth and um just comparing the two of them and how you know also the the cello reference yeah i haven't gotten there yet but yeah again it's <laughs> just yeah um yeah holy sweet god damn you left your cello in the basement yeah what could you possibly see in little old three chord me and I was like, but <laughs> your rivers. Um, well, yeah. You, you get that, right? The part that I really like too is um, the rest of the part where they were like, I do like you too. You're the lucky one. I'm the lucky one. Yeah. I just love this song. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great song. So to kind of round out the first part of the of the album the main album uh the the album finishes out with the song butterfly which is a very sad song uh it's very pretty uh the imagery is insanely sad Mm -hmm. uh but in the story if you're still going with the madam butterfly story uh this song is told from pinkerton's point of view so it's kind of him uh, like seeing everything in his perspective, which I think is really interesting because he talks about like catching a butterfly and putting it in the jar and coming back to it a day later and it hits withered away. Yeah. Every time I try to pin down what I think I want, it slips away. It's like, oh. Also, um, this is their only completely acoustic song, which I think is very interesting. But then the more I've thought about it since I actually wrote that in my notes, I, I thought there was a completely acoustic song on OK Human. That might have been as of like a year ago. Or was it all piano? There was an all piano Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Like all one singular. Oh yeah, yeah, playing my piano. <laughs> no, that wasn't that song wasn't all piano, but I'm pretty sure there is a track that's all piano. I'm that's singing. A lot of piano. <laughs> I'm in the shower and I'm singing. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um All right. Before we get into the non like standard version oh yeah absolutely okay i think now is a great time to take take a breather from pinkerton before we get into the (laughs) deluxe bits and uh talk about our favorite segment which we like to call that's my new band name hell yeah (laughs) uh 
So there were some good ones. There were a couple good ones. I know I have one. Uh, let me pull it up real quick here. I had one today. Did you? Yeah, you wrote it down, didn't you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love doing this sometimes because like I write stuff down that's really random and then I go back and I look at it and I'm like what the fuck uh, so mine is foot rodeo <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that's my band name foot rodeo sounds th- real weird yeah well I mean there's a <laughs> there's a reason um, yeah the ones I had Meat Beat Mania, which was from Steven Universe. <laughs> I mean, you and I watched that episode together, but I went back and watched it again with with my kid, and it was just freaking hilarious. I think I used the other ones, Gay Panic. I think we talked about that last time. Ah, the Gay Panic. Yeah. Yeah, Gay Panic. We talked about Delta Variant. I think that's going back too far. But yeah. Um, I think those are it. Meat Beat Mania, though. I know, right? It sounds like they would open up for the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to come up with some more. I mean, we just recorded last week, so yeah. Uh, well, we always like what we always say. This is always conversational stuff. There's an ebb and flow to it. Yeah. So sometimes we have a bunch, and there are sometimes when we struggle to even have like two. So, like you said, ebb and flow. I'm sure next week we'll have... That's my rap duo. Can I be Ebb? Sure. Okay, you can be Flo. (laughs) Now we'll get into the deluxe portion of the deluxe two-disc set. Uh, So something to keep in mind with this section of this album is that these are all... They're all B-sides or previously unreleased tracks right and pretty much all but like i think two of them are songs that were intended for songs from the black hole right so we'll we'll get into that a little bit more as we go along uh so the first uh full track of the deluxe tracks is you gave your love to me softly. Um, did you see that it was originally recorded for the soundtrack to the movie Angus? Yeah, I think it was still on the soundtrack, but not it used was. in the movie. Yeah. I love that soundtrack. I haven't heard it in a while, but I know it's a really good. I've never seen the movie, but really? I love the soundtrack. Like it was. Yeah. But, One of my favorites in the 90s. Yeah, because originally the song uh, Wanda, You're My Only Love was <laughs> to be in the film. Yeah. Was re- Well, okay, so yeah, I read, read that it was originally filmed for, or religi- originally recorded for Angus, but rejected for not feeling Weezer enough. Yeah, and, and Rivers was really sad about that. He's like, it's it's Weezer. Right? How's like, it not Weezer? How no. much more Weezery do you want it to be? Do you want me to literally wheeze on the track? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, the lyrics to this one, I mean, it's it's him like talking about a one night stand, basically. Yeah. 
that's exactly what I wrote. It's a, it's basically him recounting a one night stand, but like one that he will never forget. Like the whole song is literally about him just kind of gushing about this one night stand. Just a piece of furniture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the one night stand right next to the four post bed. Right. <laughs> so the next, the next uh, track is devotion. Uh, I love this song. I just like the actual song itself. Like I love all like the synthy guitar stuff to it. I love Shocking. it. It's great. <laughs> um, again, another one that was originally written for uh, Black Hole. Um, they, from what I read that uh, it's kind of like a one of those uh, double double possibility of meaning songs because there are some thing some references that assume that it's about an actual relationship that rivers cuomo had with one of his exes mm-hmm. right but it's possibly based on the characters from uh black hole which i mean kind of makes sense when you really think about it because like writers in general tend to base characters off themselves and the people around them exactly so it wouldn't surprise me if it's both but uh it's basically well if you're if you're looking at it from the black hole perspective it's basically jonas like seeing his growing desire for maria thus being devoted to her um yeah, I wrote down the, the line where it says, I'm no six foot hot milk all American man, which apparently is a direct quote from a Kiss song, All American Man, which I didn't realize. I didn't either. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't even see that. Um, yeah, so I saw that. Um, I got a weird feeling of this song, though, because, like, devotion, like, it, it has a feel of, you know, devotion. But, like, talking to her and thanking her for always being there, even though he didn't put her first. And talking about, you'll always be my girlfriend. I'll always be your friend. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, they have this differing view of each other that just kind of, I don't know. If, well, she, yeah. wasn't, if she wasn't stubborn, then they wouldn't have got as far as they did. Um, and then, like, him chasing someone else is painful for her, so he's coming back. Yeah. it's It, it has this, I don't know. I like the song, but it has this like heartbreaking feeling to it. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Like a heartbreaking undertone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay. It, and it's like, it's kind of, it's almost like gut wrenching. Yeah. Like when you're listening to it, you're like, oh, God, why? Why are you guys doing this to yourselves? Well, it's like finding out, you know, your best friend you're not their best friend right (laughs) so the next track is waiting on you um this is a song about obsession uh this is the narrator obsessing over uh this person that he's been seeing um but like to the extent that like when they're not talking to him he's sitting there wondering why 
What are you and doing? I asked you if you had a good heart, and you said, yes, I'll never do you harm. Right. But here you are. Well, here you are. Not talking to you me. You son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, it does feel obsessive to me. That yeah. Why I'm even calling. Mine is the loneliest of numbers. Does that make him one? Well, they did say that that was a reference to I know. to that song by Three Dog Night. I don't know. I feel like three is a more lonely number. It's always a third wheel. I feel like basically any odd number, three. One is fine with me. I'm okay. I'm yeah, I mean, I'm cool to myself. by myself. But like three, five, <laughs> seven. I mean, unless you get to nine and then you can split off into triplets. If you really, if if that's your thing. Hey, cheers whatever what i don't judge i don't ever do it. whatever whatever gets your goat you know <laughs> <laughs> you know where i'm thinking oh right. god Ooh, <laughs> derailed derailed the show but yeah that that <laughs> I don't know that song coming after you know, devotion. It just has this feel. Cause you know, like he, he tells in devotion, he tells her, you know, basically your second choice, but now he's sitting around waiting and wondering like what. It's almost like in devotion, you have a character that's trying to play it cool and be like, like not look desperate. Yeah. But then like, when you get around to the next song, it's like you're looking at that same character and he's sitting by himself in his own head and he's like rocking back and forth in the corner. Like, why isn't she calling me? Where are you? Where, where are you? <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, I, I agree though. It, it kind of like, it's almost like you're, you're seeing a guy that's putting on a facade for someone. Like he's acting like, like, no, nah, I'm cool. We're just, we're cool. We're just friends. But like deep down, he's like, I wish we were more than friends. I love you so much, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's Desperation. Like, right. Or devotion. <laughs> so the next song. Two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yeah. So the next song is, I just threw out the love of my dreams. Um. So this one was interesting because... Uh, like a good chunk of the vocals were all female vocals. Right. Um, it featured uh, Rachel Hayden from the bands That Dog and The Rentals, which The Rentals is actually interesting because it's kind of a six degrees to Rivers Cuomo. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if you read that this was uh, the last album for a f quite a long time. Uh, with their original bass player. Oh, okay. And he went off and formed the Rentals. Okay. But he still was like friends with the band. But I, I thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in with that. Yeah, she was also um backup singer for Jimmy Eat World. Oh, really? Yeah, backup singer. In 2001, Hayden toured as a backup singer and keyboardist for Jimmy Eat World. And it's credited on their Bleed American album. Whoa. Yeah, because everything I looked at um, kept connecting her to Jimmy Eat World. And I was like, 
But why though? Hmm. That's why. So yeah, I mean that would be probably out of well besides besides Weezer, like the more well known. Well, I guess Bleed American was that same year, wasn't it? Or was Bleed American ninety four? Two thousand one. No. The album Bleed American came out in two thousand one. According to everything, oh. yeah. Well, just ignore me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Originally released as... Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Bleed American, released July 24th, 2001. Re-released as Jimmy World following the September 11th attacks. Interesting. Uh, oh? I don't know. This is another... That's a whole nother... We keep doing this rabbit hole thing and like... I don't know. We were <laughs> we were sitting here last year, to, last week, talking about Guinness records for the musicians. And last night, I was going down all these rabbit holes of rap, rap music. So this is too easy. Okay, let's Jesus take the wheel. Let's get this one back on track. I'm sorry. Jesus take the wheel. We'll get there. I know. Continue. I will continue. Thank you. Um, so this song is about <laughs> the, the the lament of the character Laurel uh, for turning down the ad the the admiration and advances of Jonas. Um, which actually contains a line that is in another song a little bit later on the b-sides which is he's in my eyes he's in my ears he's in my blood he's in my tears that line's also in the song long long time sunshine oh yeah so but i I thought this was a really interesting interestingly written track because like it's still like screams weezer like musically but then you start you hear the vocals start and you're like what what <laughs> and then you hear like rivers singing backup vocals and you're like what what is going on right now well yeah it kind of made me think like what that end product would have been too because that's a taste of like yeah and that then that actually is another thing that comes up uh in another song uh which song was it there's another song that i believe yeah it's coming up we'll get to it uh but similarly enough where it it, it's one of those okay so if, if black hole would have actually happened as an album how would this song have played out in that right so um the next song is i swear it's true uh not a whole lot that i got from this other than it's just about like missing an ex-lover or missing an ex an ex whatever um this song existed uh it was a song it was a song (laughs) I rolled a one. It's a song. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not like anything standout. It's not like some of the other B-side tracks. Because some of them are really, really good. And like right. this was just one of those like, meh, it's okay. Um, so this next track is You Won't Get With Me Tonight. Um, this was the one that I was referring to because this is a song that's actually a conversation between Maria and Jonas. But in this version, Rivers sings both parts. <laughs> so he's having a conversation with himself about being in love with himself <laughs> and also having slept with himself. <laughs> getting in his own pants. Getting in his own pants, essentially. And how he's not going to be doing that tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a conversational song between Maria and Jonas about their supposedly non-physical, non-existent relationship. Where Jonas is saying that like, yeah, like what we have is a nice thing, but like you don't let it be more than what it is and she's like but we slept together and he's like okay yeah but like that was only one time and like you know <laughs> um just a friend a friend in your pants <laughs> oh <laughs> rip rip Bismarcky. you say she's just a friend oh you say she's just a friend you got what I need. Oh, I love that song. I do too. <laughs> um, so the next track is uh, Long Time Sunshine, which I, I actually think it's like a really, really pretty song. Yeah. Um, like it's not, and, it, and it's not depressingly pretty. It's like actually just like a really nice, like well-written, almost ballady kind of song. Right. Um, I actually wrote in my notes, very pretty acapella vocals get a little cringy because <laughs> like my music ears hear very clear, like tone deaf vocals in the background and I can't unhear them when I listen to this song. So like it bothers me, but like I was reading that there's like in the lyric breakdown of this song there's like a whole section of stuff that's like in uh parentheses and like that's it's all like different lines that were plucked from other songs yeah. and i was like oh that that's what they're doing in around over top of rivers continually singing long time sunshine yeah it says incorporates um a never re never released by Weezer, but released by Rivers song Blast Off. Yeah. Then I just um I just threw out the love of my dreams and the good life are the three. Yeah, the, I actually was reading about like his they're not like solo releases. It's just like it's almost like songbook releases where it's like stuff that he wrote with the intention of being Weezer songs that just never became Weezer songs. But, like, he recorded them. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, three of them, I think. The third one of which is, I think, called the Pinkerton Sessions. And it's a whole bunch of, like, other B-sides and rarities that didn't even make it on to 
the deluxe version. So I, I might actually go back and try and hunt for those too. Um, but yeah, I just really, I really enjoy deep dive into the river. <laughs> yeah, when I jump in, I go Cuomo. I'll see right. myself out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really like the song. I did too. Uh, honestly, like of the of the slower songs that I've heard from them, this one is actually like a really, really like a really pretty song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next track is "Getting Up and Leaving," um, and this song I read is kind of like rivers feeling about like being away from college and like being very dramatic about it like his life losing meaning and uh not being where he belongs and all this stuff but it's just like bro you're just like not at college right now like you're a rock star could you could you just go oh, so it? sorry for you <laughs> oh i'm so sorry so sorry to interrupt <laughs> but yeah i was reading like this homesickness and yeah and that feeling was affecting you know everything yeah yeah i mean and you can hear it like throughout the vocals and everything like sad boy song yeah right right he just feels very disconnected yeah. like like stranger in a strange land kind of disconnect uh so then the last extra track on here is um it's tragic girl uh i don't know i don't know what this one is about well Uh, i kind of got like a getting used and forgotten kind of vibe well, um, yeah, so what I read was that this um, was, like, found unlabeled in the vaults while they were looking for, like, the masters for the deluxe edition. Yeah. And only, like, Rivers remembered recording it. So um, who wasn't there? I forget. Scott Bell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's I get I got a weird vibe from this one just because, you know. It's, it's talking about, like, how she makes him feel. And, you know, she, like, he wants to believe that she's, like, the one. Like, she does these things, gives him, you know, his pills and sings strange songs. Yeah. Um, but they, I don't want my mom to know that I've been a dirty boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, just, it's like, super cringe. It's super um, weird, like. But, like, he tries to be mean to her or whatever and like wants her to think he doesn't care but then he starts to feel bad and she cries i don't know just like but the lyrics are sad you're a tragic girl you lead a tragic life i'm just meant to be your latest tragedy ain't no butterfly girl this ain't no butterfly love which is you know reference reference to to butterfly Butterfly. i'm just meant to be your latest tragedy i'm just like yeah so i mean it's a weird note to end on but knowing that it's part of you know the deluxe and the b-sides is a little yeah different yeah i don't think this would have fit like i think that some of these other tracks could have fit on pinkerton like um, i think i feel like devotion well that and you gave me your you gave your love to me softly would have fit yeah i think i think like those two maybe waiting for you i don't know but the rest waiting on you but the rest i don't know 
not a lot of them would have fit. No. If you're looking at it sequentially like we... Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the other part of it, too. Like, sequentially, they wouldn't make sense. But, I mean, overall, I love this album. I think it's amazing. Um, I don't understand why there would be anybody that hates this album. Uh, and if there's anybody that looks in me look at looks me in the eye and tells me that that they don't like Weezer uh I'm gonna tell them to listen to Pinkerton because I feel like this is a display of of this band's versatility in writing that you don't see in a lot of other a lot of their other music what I thought was interesting too was like um, after they released it, um, Rivers wrote a letter to the Weezer fan club in 96 and basically said that there's lyrics in there that might sound mean or sexist or whatever. And that um, the songs are an exploration of his dark side. And like the album is a story of his last two years and it's, you know, honest and, and real. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people didn't like it because they expected it to be like a polished like right so i don't i don't know and then yeah i was saying one of the quotes i read somewhere said that um the album charts a cycle between lamo and partier <laughs> right and then you know even river's opinion changed over time like we were talking about like yeah um he had said at one point it was sick in a disease sort of way for years but then like once the that deluxe album was released like it seemed like the way that he talked about it was different agreed yeah but no. i agree with you i feel like this puts a much more human side to rivers although i mean i've i've read a lot about him outside of this um i just think even if you just look at this not not knowing that they have x number more albums after this mm-hmm. like i just feel like this this is a very complete feeling album where it's a good storytelling album and musically it's challenging. There's a lot of different stuff that they do musically throughout the tracks. Yeah. Like there's a lot of weird instrumentation. There's a lot of like weird time signature kind of stuff that happens in there. There's like a lot of, fast slow juxtaposition in the song so like a lot of weird el scorcho alone <laughs> yeah just in el scorcho alone you probably get 80 percent of the things i just mentioned so like i feel like just overall this album is just it's well-rounded and i feel like it's a perfect example of rivers cuomo as a writer weezer as a band i agree so i, I feel like if there's if there was anybody that said like oh i hate weezer i'd be like First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, you're still wrong. Third of all, listen to Pinkerton because you're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I love this album. Good. If this you had was going to gonna be one of the ones I gave you at one point on my on my list, but this was a good one to. Okay, to so together. just from the the base album, not the extra tracks. Okay. Favorite two songs. Good life, El Scorcho. Fair, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely El Scorcho. Uh, I think my... for you is a really close third. I feel like... 
I feel like mine is a tie for second with Good Life and Pink Triangle. Because I, I really enjoy Pink Triangle. Yeah, see, my, my tie would be, well, I'll score just number one, Good Life and Falling For You are tied. I can't pick. I yeah. gotta pick three. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this album. I'll definitely be listening to it many more times. Yay. Yeah. So, uh, since we don't have another album to go into, um, maybe you would like to add a little bit of additional insight into your extremely daunting project that you've given yourself. Only if you agree to talk about your personal music projects as well. Absolutely. Okay, good. Um, okay, I think I've talked about this in a couple episodes just here and there but i've been listening to the 500 best albums of all, all time that came out in 2020 um well the list came out in 2020 from rolling stone yeah so um i'm currently Was that back in september right september 2020 yeah the list came out in september 2020 and i started about a month and a half ago um i had a really slow start but i'm on um 468 currently um so i mean 500 albums is a lot of albums well i was trying initially to do 500 albums in 500 days um not sure how that's going to go but i am keeping track it's 53 days in and i'm 40 you know 468 not bad considering as we looked at the list there's a lot um forward that i've already heard and some we've even covered on the podcast yeah okay but also like looking forward through the list uh i feel like there's a lot of really unfair votes because a lot of it is like here's a collection yeah here's various artists on a compilation album here's the you know the soundtrack for saturday night fever like i don't agree with that if you're going to give me the 500 best albums it should be an album it should be an album by an artist well it's also the rule we were using this podcast yeah no no greatest hits that right. seems like a like a like a cheater. It's a cop out. Yeah. Yeah. So now, I the only time that I would say that you know a various artists thing is going to show up on this on this show is if it's like a collection of cover songs. That's fine. Like I think a legit compilation in that sure. sense or a soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, um, yeah. So the reason I started this was because we were talking about um, Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" was. Um, we covered in a previous episode with a guest and that was number one on this list. So right. that made me wonder what else is on the list. Yeah. Cause I remember we, when we were both doing our research, we saw this list and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I said, I'm going to listen to the whole list. You're like, <laughs> you can't right? consume that much music. And I'm like, watch me. But yeah. And then, so, you, and then you got like four days in and you're like, uh, yeah, so it was a really slow start, um, but there were a lot of surprises, and by that I mean, like, artists that I've never listened to, but I've heard of, and some are huge that I had no idea. Um, I'm just going to talk about just a few that surprised me. Please. Um, I know you and I had both been surprised by Suicide. Yeah. That was number five, or 498, and they were just kind of, like, out there. They were way before their time. Um there was there, a song, what was the song called? That was just haunting and like creepy, but like amazing. 
Oh, Frankie Teardrop. No, yeah, oh my God, Frankie Teardrop. Look, guys. Don't listen to it alone. <laughs> don't don't listen to it alone. If you're sleepy, don't put this song on because you will scare yourself awake. But it is a really good song. And the, the, the whole album, it's their first, yeah, their first album. The debut album, 1977. Self-titled Suicide. Yes. It's, it is something. I will say that much. It's it's just it's like nothing I've ever listened to and I don't know why I liked it so much. I think just because it was so different. Yeah. It's very like it's it's like the 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 music album equivalent of an art house film. Like that's how I, I felt like I was I was listening to music at the Andy Warhol Museum. Like that's how I felt. Like Well yeah, I mean when I first listened to it, I had heard it was out there. But the first thing I did was text you and I was like, this album, you have to listen to this. Like, yeah. it's just, I can't describe it. And then that um, sent me down a rabbit hole of listening to their entire discography, but <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, a couple of their highlights. Um, I got to listen to a lot of, um, let's see, a lot of Phil Spector stuff, um, but specifically the Ronettes was on here by themselves. I really enjoyed them. Um, but that brought back a lot of memories of like listening to oldies and and whatnot. Um, but I well, enjoyed that. That. Brought, that was more tying in with like your you and your dad. Yeah. Going to car shows and stuff. Oh right? yeah, he and I had had gone for years together. Um, so yeah, that brought back a lot of that. Um, that time of my life. Um, what else did I really? SZA. I just listened to that this week. Great album completely great um i'm definitely gonna have to check her out yeah there's just her her songwriting was super interesting um what i liked is like she writes an immense amount of stuff like she wrote like 150 to 200 songs and chose i guess the um the label had to help choose because she just wouldn't choose and they finally just started to decide um she has a lot of collaborations with um other artists but the thing that i loved the most was like the personal touch on her album where she had like messages from her mother it began and ended with a message from her mother and a message from her grandmother like it just was sweet and just put this like endearing side to her um when i mean no i i am familiar with her a little bit because i know right now she actually has a song out with uh doja cat yeah but i feel like a lot of what i pictured her is that you know raunchy side that you hear with you know megan stallion and doja cat all them like and she does have that there's a lot of that in this album but it's like she's unapologetic about it and it's great so i i loved i can't say enough good stuff about her loved her um sparks another album another band hadn't heard of them Maybe in passing. Still around. Still around from like um, the 70s. Like I was shocked that they've been making music for like 50 years. And let me say. We were watching some of their most recent music videos. They. Ahead of their time at this point. But like they're very experimental. Oh yeah. I just don't know what to make of them. Fucking iPhone song. Oh my God. I know. And when 
when I wrote, okay, so I've been writing about these on my Facebook, you know that because you're my Facebook friend. Um, And it's, it's surprising to me to find out which of my friends have listened to certain artists and which, you know, somebody mentioned the Sparks documentary, which came out this year, still is relatively new. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to to watching it because so many people have talked about like how they influenced them. And I just not hearing of them before yeah i I, I definitely want to watch that i've been meaning to look that up it's on amazon but it's like 20 dollars to rent because it's still a new release so i'm guessing in time we'll be able to see it um a little easier um yeah so with less with less description um also like the far side a lot i mean they were um kind of you could feel how how they've influenced like hip-hop in some places like they just really really good bell and sebastian i really liked um i believe they were I believe they were canadian and like a result of bell and sebastian yeah i thought they were uh oh scottish thank you scottish okay the other scottish and they were a result of um like a college class creating a um a single yeah so they're almost like a like manufactured but it's almost like making the band yes but like better yeah, but they were like so good that they decided to do a whole EP or which is album dope. for them, which I, I thought really was really cool. cool. So they were like yeah. a standout. Um, and I think I think that's about it. Black Flag was my first real experience listening to to them, and that was um, the Damaged album, which is in the Henry Rollins phase. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff. Lady Gaga, Born This Way, which I mean I've heard before, but um, it's a solid album. Yeah, she's just great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot more because I'm only at four, <laughs> 468. Um, but yeah, it's been a really interesting project. I mean, I lot to talk about. <laughs> Half a notebook. I've, I've taken notes um, just because that's what I do. But um, a lot of good stuff that I probably would never would have come across otherwise. Right. So I feel like I'm putting myself outside this box that I normally... And I mean, the podcast did that already because that's why we started this. For sure. You know, yeah. you listen to things that I didn't. I listen to things you don't and somewhere meet in the middle. Right. But this pulls me even further outside of that. That standard comfort zone. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's it's making me look at things differently. Not just that I like it, but like figuring out why other people would like it. Right. And that's particularly hard for me sometimes because we talked about like the reason I didn't listen to full albums was because I didn't like half of the album so i'm forcing myself to listen to things that i don't think i'd enjoy right but surprisingly you there's only them. an album or two and i'm gonna say that most of the albums i didn't enjoy were not in english but it's because lyrics are so important to me right that it's hard for me to enjoy something that i can't sing along to right which i understand i mean you know sometimes when there's a language barrier and it feels unfair yeah <laughs> but, i mean but also i'm appreciating these things that i wouldn't have otherwise because i never would have listened right um so yeah what about you what have you been working on on your own (laughs) so when we were starting this show um we kind of had i kind of had a project for myself and we were kind of co-working on it initially and i'm going to get back to to that one eventually um because we were trying to go through all of jimmy world's stuff but we wanted to have that um as a research point uh where we could go back to that and so i kind of did like a personal 
deep dive in a very similar fashion on a group that I was familiar with, very familiar with, big fan, but I had never actually like gone back and listened to all of their stuff. Um, so I went back and I started from the beginning uh, of Huey Lewis and the News. Um, so, yeah, so I've been listening to Huey Lewis and the News for the last week. And uh, I got to say, it has been the funnest listening ever. <laughs> it's been so fun. Um, I understand why so many people like sports. Uh, it's a great, great fucking album. Amazing. Very well written. All, all kind of hits all over the place on that album. Um, but like, again, they're another one of those groups that I think um, maybe didn't take off as much as they should have. Because uh, I think that they were really incorporating a lot of different things in a time when that's not what was being looked for. Right. Because, like, they have more of, like, a... And it's very apparent in their later stuff. Like, in the in stuff that's come out since, like, 2001. Um, you can definitely hear a more polished kind of Motown vibe to it. And... I think maybe that that is what held people back from really elevating them to the next level. Um, and I don't understand it, honestly. Yeah. I gotta be honest, though. I don't think I've heard much about them since the 90s. I didn't realize they were making any sort of music. Right. I, 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 we talked about that uh, yesterday. And I was telling you that, like, oh, yeah, they just released an album last year. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, like they just put out music last year that was music that they have been recording over the last couple of years. Um, Although, you know what, 2020 brought a lot of music that I didn't expect. That's fair. Vin Diesel recorded a song. Fuck. It's always <laughs> it's always the Vin Diesel track. It, it hey, always... that one shocked me. It came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. But yeah, so that's what I've been working on. And then... Um, Randomly last weekend, we went down a Bruno Mars rabbit hole of like watching different music videos. And then that just uh, gave me the the little nudge to go back and listen through his albums and all of his stuff, um, which, again, is just a fun time. I don't remember what started the Bruno Mars thing either. You know what? I don't really know. Because a couple weeks ago, right after the Filthy 15 episode, we went down a little thong song rabbit hole um, because we, you know, heard the re-record, which, oh, so you know, we went through that and then the Will Smith. You know what it was? I pulled up YouTube just to find something to put on to listen to. And the video for 24 Karat Magic was oh. on there. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually seen this music video. I was like, I love that song. Let's yeah, watch and it. I was like, oh, I love this song too. And then we were like, woo, this song is great. And then like 10 songs later, we were like, wow, Bruno Mars though. And then I was like, I'm going to go the back. Car, the car karaoke or whatever. Oh yeah. With James Corden. That was good. That was really good. That's, that's one of the better ones um, that he's done. He just seems like a fun, nice guy. I don't know. Bruno Mars? Yeah. For sure. He's He's got to be the like the most fun person to just like chill with. Some of those outfits. 
Oh man. And those videos. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, so this is what we do. I think weekly we have a different different rabbit hole that we uh we find. I mean <laughs> That's what makes this fun. And and again, like you know, it, it's one of those like kind of like we always say with the mini episodes like we, we're going to talk about music anyways so well, like, yeah and it's the reason we're doing this podcast because we said share right. you know share your music so we share i would i've done this before i met you as those minor obsessions with you know whatever i'm listening to at the moment and it's nice to be able to share it with you and apparently with and i i only wish our six listeners all six of you guys <laughs> we appreciate you um but like and I think that, you know, like when we we sat down together after you bought your your uh, Stranger Danger records oh. and we just went through two boxes of records together and just were like looking at stuff. And that's when we both came to the realization that like that would have been something fun to like stream. So like give us some feedback on that. Like would you guys in the future like to see us maybe do like unboxing like like some live feed like record unboxings or like would you like to see us live feed from like a show or so we got some shows coming up or maybe do like like an in-person interview at a show or something like you know we're always open for feedback and we're both very open to doing like the live stream kind of stuff i've got no problem with it especially when it's stuff like sitting down and just like looking through old records and laughing about shit or being absolutely shocked when you find you know songs on a on a single that you would have never expected to find in a random lot of records so you know let us know let us know what you think about yeah, it's that. It's just my arm to buy more lots of records or oh, anything. Oh, no. You know? Please don't buy more records. But, yeah. So, keep that in mind. Let us know what you guys think about that. Because uh, moving forward, we're, you know, we're, we're looking into maybe doing some... We're not going to do it all the time. But, you know, here and there we might, we might hop on, like, Instagram Live or Facebook Live and just... We've got something interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, next episode is going to be another guest episode. We've got some stuff to work on for that, but it's going to be a good time. We're, we're very, very excited for this one. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like, like Kristen said, we got some good shows coming up, which we're both very excited for. Hopefully we don't have mild panic attacks again. <laughs> uh, so with that being said you can find us on social media we're on facebook twitter and instagram uh at simh pod you can also find us anywhere you can find your podcasts uh amazon music spotify uh that apple one itunes there we go and uh what if you're nasty? SoundCloud. <laughs> if you're nasty. If you're nasty. Uh, as always, guys, 
you know thanks so much for listening um make sure you're sharing your music and uh we'll be looking forward to talking to you next time